Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for Friday, the Friday after Ash Wednesday, February the 24th. Our reading this morning comes to us by way of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 through 9. Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 through 9. We have been talking a great deal uh, over the past uh, two days about the idea of centering on fasting, on various forms of penance that we do during the holy season of Lent in preparation for the passion, death, and the glorious resurrection of Christ. And it is the traditional way of preparing. We also talked about the importance of keeping rejoicing front and center because it also highlights right in the center God's great mercy and forgiveness because we know that the season of Lent leads us right into the season of Easter. We have the 14 stations and the 15th station is the station of the empty tomb and the resurrection on Sunday morning. And we have the idea, and it's been with us for centuries, that somehow if we do all these things, if we fast, we increase our prayer, we attend church more often, uh, we do various acts of charity, uh, we make a list of all of our in Lenten intentions, all of these things, that if we do that, God has to answer us. It's a requirement. We've, we've fulfilled the contract. We've given God his behavior. And now it's time for God to deliver on what we ask. We sound almost like uh, Vito Corleone, in uh, The Godfather. If I do this favor for you, uh, I will ask you for a favor, and I expect you to do it. Well, God is not bullied or God is not coerced into that kind of relationship. Our relationship is not contractual. It's a relationship of a covenant. It's the relationship of God's mercy to us and our response to that mercy because we can never match Almighty God in terms of justice, in terms of what we expect of God because God has given us everything out of his abundant mercy and love, especially his own Son, Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness of our sins. And Fridays have always been a special day in uh, Lent. Uh, we center our attention on the passion and the death of Christ. It is a day of repentance. So today's reading points this out in a very stark way, and it may even shock us when we read that passage and consider it. For you see, the people uh, have been wondering why God has abandoned them. 
at this particular point in Israel's history, it has wandered away from the covenant. It's worshiping false gods. It's not treating uh, neighbor with justice. It's not looking upon others in their need. It's become very powerful and very affluent, and hence it has come to believe that the covenant is obsolete and they do really do not need God anymore. They're self-sufficient. And so God has said, okay, you want to be on your own? You're on your own. And that's when things began to go badly for them. And so they began to complain. They began to complain that God doesn't care. God is indifferent. God has forgotten. God has broken the covenant. And so it, uh, it begins, you know, with them making their complaint against God that they've done all these things, all these external things. And God hasn't seemed to care. And they even reach the point where they say, why do we fast and you do not see it? Afflict ourselves and you take no note of it. Notice that. We've done all these things and you don't seem to care. So why should we? Well, the Lord says to the prophet, Lo, on your fast day, you carry out your own pursuits and drive all your laborers. Yes, your fast ends in quarreling and fighting, striking with wicked claw. Notice that. All of their external actions belie what's really in their heart. Their heart is not with God. The heart is with themselves, giving in to their own passions and desires. When they gather, it ends in fighting and quarreling. They do not show mercy to their laborers. They do not treat them with respect and with dignity, the way God has treated them. God, after all, has led them from bondage in Egypt through the desert into the promised land, has eliminated their enemies, has set them up. They're prosperous and powerful. And what do they do? We don't need God. Yeah, we're, pretty, we're doing pretty well. We're okay. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Nations do it. America is very much at that point. More and more each day. God becomes irrelevant. And we see more and more each day a decay of the culture, the values and the things that are going on in our society today, and we don't need to enumerate them, and I'm not. Uh, it's all too familiar with you, to you. We do it ourselves individually. When things are blue skies and green lights, the 401k is full, so are our stomachs. We have the nice house. We drive the reliable car. We have the bills paid. We're doing okay. I'll get around to God when I can. 
Hmm. But God doesn't get around to us when he can. God is with us and for us always. And so God says today to them and to us, would that today you might fast so as to make your voice heard on high? Is this the manner of fasting I wish, of keeping a day of penance, that a man may bow his head like a reed and be in sackcloth and ashes? Do you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Of course it's not. They're doing all the stuff. They walk around with their ashes. They walk around with their sackcloth. They walk around with their glum faces, having fasted. And the Lord says through Isaiah, rather, this is the fasting I wish. Release those bound unjustly, untying the thongs of the yoke, setting free the oppressed, breaking every yoke, sharing your bread with the hungry, sheltering the oppressed and the homeless, clothing the naked when you see them, and not turning your back on those in need. Thus your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your wound shall quickly be healed. Your vindication shall go before you, and the glory of God shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove from your midst oppression, false accusations, and malicious speech. That's the real penance and sacrifice and offering that the Lord wants. It's from the inside of us. It's an inside job. It's not the externals. The externals are fine. They're fine as long as they're true to what is in our heart, what we truly desire. But if it's simply a show and simply something we put on and take off like a new set of clothes or pajamas ready for night, then it's meaningless. It's just the opposite because then we leave the church and go on living our life the same old way. We've spent an hour in adoration at the chapel and five minutes later we're tearing our neighbor apart. We go to a devotional, a holy hour, a novena. And all the while, we're judging others. All of those things indicate that our faith is really external to us and not in our heart. Our prayer and our sacrifice is far from God. So let us on this Friday, Friday right after Ash Wednesday, See that our faith, that our actions come from a heart that is true and pure and good, a heart directed to Almighty God's will. Then our prayer will be heard. Our blessings will come.
because our heart is centered on God. God bless you. Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for Saturday, the Saturday right after Ash Wednesday, the first Saturday after Ash Wednesday. Our reading this morning comes to us by way of the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. Luke, chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. And as we shift momentarily from the Gospel of Mark to Luke, we need to remember that Luke is the Gospel of God's unbounded mercy and love, especially for sinners, especially for those who have traveled away from the Lord, for the outcast, those who are rejected by all the respectable folk, religious and secular, those who are looked down upon, ostracized, and cast away, those who are the deplorables and expendables. Those are the ones whom Jesus, from the perspective of St. Luke, those are the ones that Jesus have come to gather, those who are world-weary, those who have searched for true meaning, truth, fulfillment, in all the wrong places, they have been feeding themselves on things that do not satisfy and do not really fill them. And so they are world-weary, and they still are vacant. They may have all of the things of the world, and yet there is a place left unnourished, a place empty that only God can fill. And Jesus in the Gospel of St. Luke, continually calls the lost sheep, continues to search for the prodigal, continues to sweep the house looking for the lost coin. And in our Gospel reading this morning, to help us, that's important because it helps us to understand what on the natural level seems to be quite absurd, irrational, in the vernacular, Matthew is crazy because this is the call of St. Matthew. We talk about the call of Peter and Andrew uh, and his brother James, and you've got John and the disciples, especially Peter and Andrew who leave their families, their boats, their nets, and they follow Jesus. Well, we see the same dynamic, but what an added dimension this morning. Jesus saw a tax collector named Levi. That's his uh, uh, Jewish name. And he is a tax collector, and he's sitting at his custom post. Now, remember, tax collectors are uh, looked down upon even more than... Uh, are tax collectors, if you can believe that. Uh, they didn't have an April 15th. Uh, there was a constantly a customs post, a toll booth where you had to go through and they would tax you according to all the possessions you brought in and took out. And the tax collector was always selected from 
one of the people in the region where the Romans had set up the tax booth. So the person who took that was really looked down upon. You're, you're doing the Romans' work. You're robbing your own people to pay Caesar. And their salary, part of their, a large part of their salary was dependent upon how much taxes they took in. So you can imagine they were not going to lowball you and not uh, indicate even accurately what you owed or, heaven forbid, less, unless you were in with the tax collector and you probably then had to split that. So it really became a racket. And tax collectors were lumped in the same category as sinners, even worse. And Jesus sees this tax collector named Levi, and he's sitting there doing his business at his customs post, and Jesus simply says to him, follow me. And St. Luke tells us, leaving everything behind, Levi stood up and became his follower. He left everything, stood up, left everything at those two words, follow me, and leaves everything. He leaves his home, his family. He leaves his position. He leaves his money. He leaves all of that. And he stands up and becomes his follower. Now, even more shocking, we would say, well, but he's, he's given up everything. After that, Levi gave a great reception for Jesus in his house. He gives a great reception. Doesn't he realize he lost everything? Well, perhaps it's we who don't realize that he's gained everything. That Matthew understands at a deep level that what he had was worth nothing compared to what he has been offered in the person of Jesus. And what does he do? He gives a great banquet. The great banquet is a symbol, a sign of the Eucharist. And it is a sign of that eternal Eucharist, that eternal banquet that awaits us in heaven. And so when we attend the Eucharist, the offering of the Mass, we are called to a real sense to divest ourselves of all other things because what we have are going to receive, what we're going to be offered, is everything, eternal life with Almighty God. No matter how rich you are, no matter how many possessions you have, they all fade. They're nothing compared to communion with Christ in all eternity in God's presence. So he has to give this great banquet. And not only is it a, it's a reception for Jesus, a great reception, so it's lavish, in his house, in which he's joined by a large crowd of tax collectors and others at dinner. Notice, other tax collectors come. His action of leaving, following Jesus, giving this great reception, it attracts others. Others say, 
well, maybe, maybe I need to give up everything in order to gain more than I ever imagined. And so they're present there. And others, others who are at this dinner, this reception. And of course, there are the, uh, the naysayers, those who walk around with their self-righteous cloud over their head wherever they go. The Pharisees and the scribes of their party say to his disciples, Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and non-believers of the law? Well, Jesus hears this and he says, the healthy do not need a doctor. Sick people do. I have not come to invite the self-righteous to a change of heart, but sinners. Wow. That's, that's it in a nutshell. If you believe that you're self-right and you're self-righteous, if you believe that you are this perfect, holy, virtuous, perfect person, in your own estimation, and you're completely blind to how far you have fallen from the glory of God, because we all sin, we all fall short, then you are really, really blind. And change of heart is often the last thing on your mind. What do I have to change for? If it's not broke, don't fix it. I can't improve on perfection. I can't, I can't be any more right than I am because I know I'm right. Why? Because in my own estimation, I'm doing great. God really is in tune with me. Notice, we don't ask, am I in tune with God? The self-righteous never ask if it's God on their side. They have to ask, they should be asking, am I on God's side? Am I really doing what the Lord, the Lord is asking of me? Not what I'm asking of myself. I have come to invite not the self-righteous, but sinners. And so all who come to Jesus are invited to his banquet. The Eucharist on earth is a foretaste of that great banquet that will never end in God's kingdom. So, Today, we can acknowledge our sinfulness, our need for mercy and forgiveness. That's the first step, is the acknowledgement of that. And then to enter and beseech mercy and forgiveness, which heaven and earth celebrates. Jesus, the divine physician, comes in search of those who are in need of a doctor. The doctor doesn't have office hours for the well. That makes no sense. It's for the sick, the ill, those who are afflicted. Not for the well or those who think they're well. And so we see that in giving up everything in our lives, everything that the world holds as precious and valuable and permanent, everything that we should be seeking and grasping for. 
They really pale. They're nothing. For when we divest ourselves of all that seems so precious and important, we find everything. We find that nourishment that we have been seeking, that blessed happiness, that peace. And what else can we do but celebrate? What else can we do but lift our whole being to God in gratitude? And in this holy season of Lent, as we continue our journey with Jesus to Jerusalem, let us see all of those ways in which we can divest ourselves. Perhaps we are weighed down with too much of the world's concerns and things. And let us like let us, like Matthew, follow Jesus for a great banquet, an eternal banquet, is waiting for us. With God's grace and the Holy Spirit, let us continue to walk with Jesus and follow him in this holy season of Lent. God bless you.